Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Family Health Podcast, a podcast for families and leaders that want to strengthen families. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, an author, university professor, licensed professional counselor, a life coach, and researcher, and speaker on topics such as trauma, abuse, sexual ethics, and gender, and sexuality issues today. I will be your host. In this podcast, we'll be focusing on four areas. See these as a quadrant, your health, your purpose, your relationships, and your work. Each week, we'll be diving into one of these four areas with the goal of challenging you and encouraging you in building strong families. We're sponsored by the Family Launch Academy, a community of families, parents, and leaders that want to see their children launched well into adulthood, prepared for what's to come. Find out more about the community, resources, courses, trainings, and Q&As with me, Dr. Gilbert, and the Family Launch Academy by joining our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Family Launch Academy. Now let's get into this week's episode. Your 12-year-old son or daughter informs you that they now have a girlfriend or boyfriend. What do you do? What advice do you give them? Your son has been caught in the closet with a neighbor girl playing, show me yours and I'll show you mine. As parents, we must be prepared for these situations. This is a critical part of our job requirement, even though we were never given a manual. Someone will be their first teacher. Who will it be? And what will be the values and worldview that they share with your child. For too many families, there is a discrepancy between what the children or teenagers are doing and what the parents think their kids are doing. So one of my goals, this my name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm looking forward to spending time with you here today, is to help you bridge that gap. If your children make unwise decisions, I want you to be able to know that you did your best and they made their own choices. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's actually a really important goal. A mother and her two daughters were talking honestly about sex, or at least that's what their mother thought. She had no idea that her daughters were not telling the whole truth. Her oldest had just lost her virginity to a guy she thought loved her, but now wanted nothing to do with her, and her heart was broken. The sad reality is that this parent had prepared herself for the talk, but it was now arriving too late. Many parents find themselves in the same shoes, thinking that by having the talk, they have prepared their kids, but finding out later that their children were already educated and experienced. Their kids had never shared with them what was going on inside their hearts and outside the house. Parents can lessen the chances of scenarios like these occurring by making micro-conversations about sex and sexuality part of the lifestyle of the family. I wrote a book called I Can't Say That that addresses this and walks the parents through a biblical sexual ethic so they can have these micro-conversations well. By having hundreds of these short, intentional conversations, you pave the way for diving deeper into the truth about where they are hurt and their curiosities and questions. When micro-conversations are your family norm, it reduces the stress and awkwardness surrounding these issues. So what follows are thoughts and points for you to consider that are aimed at preparing you to intentionally wade into topics that most parents consider difficult to address. You must do it, though. Many parents will find that I recommend talking to your children at a younger age than you expected or feel comfortable. What I've observed over the years, though, is that most parents arrive to these conversations too late, if they ever get there at all. When these parents have the talk, they find that it has little impact on their child's beliefs or behaviors as their sexual ethic has already been solidified. 
You must be ahead of the curve if you want to be influential. I want us to start with looking from birth to age five. I know this seems young, but yes, we're going to start with birth to age five. A new parent arrives home with their baby, and regardless of whether it is their first or tenth child, they begin what Proverbs 22, 6 says, raising their child in the way he or she should go. In these first five years, the child is investigating the world and absorbing everything around them. These years are a critical foundation for all that is to come. What happens and what does not happen in these years matters. Healthy touch matters. Vocabulary and ethic building occurs, even if very little language is yet present. During this stage of life, children are absorbing the energy of the home and environment. Think of that word energy. As a counselor and marriage and family therapist, and after years of working with college-age students, I have seen how an ethos is developed at a younger age than we probably think or want to believe. Even if the mind does not remember trauma, our bodies certainly do. Traumatic events impact our mental health as well as our physical health for years to come. It is staggering when you realize how much of our mental and physical health crises today are simply symptoms of the abuse, neglect, abandonment, and trauma we experienced and observed in our early years, even before we were school-aged. That energy we absorb from birth to five matters. The truth is, it is rarely too early. Most parents do not do anything to prepare their child for the way their body will change or how they will need to steward their sexuality. During the first five years of a child's life, these topics are often avoided, ignored, and suppressed because the parents are embarrassed. This must stop here. By missing these opportunities and micro-conversations, we are sending an unintentional but very specific message that this stuff is bad. Sex is bad. Our bodies, especially those parts, are bad. Desire is bad. This is setting an unfortunate precedent of silence from them during their teen years. What I hear from most parents is fear. They think their child is not old enough for these types of micro-conversations, but I would ask you to reconsider. There will be a first time to see porn. Someone will have an explicit conversation with them. Who do you want to be the first person to address these topics with your child? Be ahead of the curve instead of being the last to know. What I hear from college-age students, those I have spent over a decade surveying in my human sexuality course at a Christian university, is that their parents weren't willing to go there or they waited until too late. Most students wish their parents had been a safe place to go for those hard conversations. So why didn't these conversations happen? The students wanted these conversations, but they expected the parent to act as an adult and broach the subjects themselves and not put the responsibility on the child or teenager. Too many parents tell me, I've told my kids they can come to me if they have questions. FYI, your child most likely will not come to you with questions along these topics. And if they do, great. So the prescription is that you must talk to them. Micro-conversations. You need to have these short, ongoing dialogues that are not a lecture, but a part of your regular routine as your family is going about life. Make it the norm. When should you start? Now. (laughs) Today. Let me spend some time looking at age-appropriate depth, which is possibly a concern for many of you. 
I know you're wondering, but what do I say? I can't go there with my four-year-old. They're way too young. I want to preserve their innocence as long as I can. I would ask you to reconsider the word choice of innocence. Your children are not incurring guilt or losing their innocence by knowing the names of their body parts, how their body is designed, or how the reproductive system works. Here are some pointers that will make this very doable, even fun. Remember, you are shaping a future dad or mom, husband or wife, lover, leader, and adult, even at age two. Use every incident possible as a teaching moment. When my daughter was four, she stood up in the bathtub, grabbed herself, and called out, When am I going to get a penis? This was a very reasonable question when you consider that she has two older brothers. It was a perfect, teachable moment. It only took a few seconds to instruct her regarding gender, the observable differences between boys and girls, and that she was perfect just as she was. All of this only a few seconds and not minutes. Another time, the same daughter kept telling us that her bottom hurt, which is normal with little girls. It took my wife and I a while to realize that she was calling the front, her vulva area, her bottom, since she did not have another word for this part of her body. This is why the terms we use matter as well. When we use nicknames for body parts, instead of using the appropriate term, we potentially create shame around that part of the body. It is not healthy to be an adult and be unable to say words penis, vagina, or breasts, but many cannot say these words without embarrassment due to how they were brought up. It is also beneficial to know the proper terminology for their body when they must speak to a doctor or if they are ever in a position to have to speak to someone about a traumatic event. During the formative years of birth to five years old, you can use nudity to foster micro-conversations. If your son or daughter walks in on you while you are dressing or in the shower, don't freak out. Respond carefully and close the door without a big scene. While changing clothes after swimming, do not make a big deal as, as you share a changing room and they briefly see you naked. Can this go too far? Definitely. Your children seeing you in various stages of undress needs to be coupled with dignity, which is appropriate covering. This is caught and taught. Model this. Be open and engage in answering odd questions. Be honest if you do not know the answer to these questions, but then look it up and tell them what you found. Your child is processing their gender and gender roles during this time. Challenge the stereotypes. Have your son cook and clean and your daughter learn to, to turn off the electricity and replace a plug or light switch. Have your daughters gain skills and strength and help your sons grow in sensitivity and gentleness. Do not let them miss the opposite of each of these either. Help them see the choices and the needs society has for men that are strong yet gentle and women that are tender with incredible strength. You need to be proactive here. Remember that your, our children's preparation is on us as parents. We must remain vigilant on the front lines for our children's sake. We need to remain current in our knowledge of what is being portrayed in the media and advocated for in public policy so that we will be prepared to address issues our children will be facing. The impact will be the greatest if you begin micro-conversations in their first few years of life. This is, settled, this is setting the stage for what is normal. Will they still be awkward? Potentially, yes. Do they have to be? No. A lot of this will depend on your own comfort level, confidence, and conviction as we remind ourselves why we are having these hard conversations. It is because we want to be proactive 
and preparing them for what's to come. When my sons were this age, they often played a motocross video game. I would watch their eyes as each round started, looking for a change. Before each race began, the screen showed a busty girl bearing her midriff, holding up a sign. I was watching for the day it clicked in their minds that this was interesting. The day I saw their eyes linger, we entered in new depths of conversations. This is being proactive. You will miss things. This will be addressed later, but know that no one is perfect, a perfect parent. Even when we are being intentional, we will not be able to catch everything. Grace for ourselves and our children is critical. Forgiveness must reign in our families. We must model these traits for their sake and ours. Another critical reason we must be proactive is that it is our responsibility to protect them. Abuse happens, bad things happen, prepare them so that they know, will know what to do. If this has been discussed prior to a potential harmful situation, they are more likely to default to a fight or flight response rather than freezing. Preparing them for stranger danger honestly covers about 9% of the abuse that occurs, leaving them vulnerable to the other 91%. Unfortunately, harm will most likely come from a trusted family member, friend, or confidant that you would never suspect. Prepare them to yell no, kick, bite, and scream. Help them via the tool of micro-conversations to know what is appropriate behavior and what crosses the lines. Rehearse scenarios. When our kids were younger, we had a lot of babysitters from the local Christian college that I worked at. After we returned home from a date night, we regularly asked them what they had done while the sitter was, was there, whether they had bathed them, changed their clothes, etc. We knew that the kids most likely would not tell us if something had happened, but we were looking for a change in how they answered, a subtle shift. How would we know, though? We would recognize this subtle shift because we knew what was a normal response and the kids thought it was normal to be asked these questions. As I alluded to earlier, it is troubling to me when I have someone tell me that they don't want to have these micro-conversations because they want to preserve their child's innocence. What does this even mean? This suggests to me that the parent subconsciously or consciously believes that the sexual parts of their bodies is dirty or bad, and that to understand how their body works and how to protect it is a sinful practice. It would be a great exercise for us all to look at our own beliefs about sexuality and determine why it is that we delay having these micro-conversations. We have many things that we may choose to use as a measure of our child's success, education, income, athletic achievements, etc. I want to urge you to consider that an understanding of sexuality and making wise choices from a biblical sexual ethic will set your child up for success and influence generations. The seed of this success begins early, before they are school age, when they are observing and absorbing the energy and values of the home and world they live in. Thanks for tuning in to the Family Health Podcast. I hope these become valuable resources full of encouragement and challenges as you lead your family well and with confidence and definitely not alone. Find out more about marriage and family life coaching and consulting at healinglives.com. I want to help you and your family be successful in marriage, love, life, and family. Thank you to our sponsor, the Family Launch Academy. To get your family moving in the right direction quickly, check out our website, healinglives.com, for available options that will serve your family best, from counseling and coaching to seminars, online courses, and more. It is an honor to serve.